Well, good morning. I'd like to read the word of God to you. This is the words of Jesus. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And the one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is of your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either will hate one and love the other, or he will despise and be devoted to one, or, or he will be devoted. Uh, and if, if you're a guest here today, I want you to know that Crosswinds, they are a generous group of people. They really are. I, I'm always blown away um, by the heart and, and the generosity of this church. Actually, my deacons made me cry the other day. They were generous to somebody. And, and uh, you know, we support missions uh, in both Africa and Haiti, building schools and providing water, providing food, pr- training leaders to, to bring the gospel to others. Last year, about 20% of what came in here through the offering and, and, and ties went out to help people all around the world. And uh, Crosswinds are also known in this community. I get calls from local school districts and stuff for not being the biggest church in town, but for being a generous church because we have given help with our benevolence fund for the last 17 years to, to help families in, in, in times uh, of crisis. And I say this, Um, because like Jesus, after he preached this text, he got ridiculed by his audience. Often the the church gets ridiculed when we talk about money, that that's all we care about. And friends, that's not true here at at Crosswinds. Currently, we're not even making our operating budget, but we're we're still giving away a lot of money each week because it's, it's the right thing for us to do. We believe Faithfulness to God requires us to be faithful to the needs of the people that are around us. And actually, I I don't like preaching messages on money because it sometimes tends to make the the generous people in our congregation feel guilty and the ones who are not generous already and, and many guests who don't know me feel like, oh, there goes the pastor again, always asking us for money. And then they don't necessarily feel an obligation. I, 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 I don't want this topic I'm preaching on today to be a distraction to why we're here, to, to people, make people's lives and eternities better through the gospel. So today, it, if, if you're a guest, either here or, or watching online, don't give us money. D- don't give us money. Instead, I want you to listen and receive the power of the gospel of God in the words that are spoken through his word. And later, if you choose to to, to join us in giving, do that joyfully and and, and be a part of our mission of generosity to the world. And and if you're here and, and you already give regularly and sacrificially and proportionally at Crosswinds, I thank you. I thank you for how God's grace is working through you to bless other people. The Bible says this, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Yes, we will accept money from a grumpy grouch. But he loves those who are cheerful givers like him. Guilt and budget shortfalls are not, friends, why we give. You know, at times I've been accused of targeting people with my messages. And and, and see, actually, I made a decision to preach the book of Luke in November of 2019. And this text is just the next words of Jesus as we, we go through the book. So if there's any targeting that happens today, it's the Holy Spirit, not me. Frankly, I'm not that good at long-range planning. Ask my wife. So I'm going to let God today aim at us with his word, because each week I'm amazed that he knows 
exactly what we all need to hear. I'm always amazed at how relevant his word is to me and this congregation. You know, Luke 16 that we're in right now is a challenging chapter. And the title of today's message is The Gospel of True Prosperity. You know, I think one of the reasons that that people object to the church preaching about money is that there are some churches that, that preach a false gospel of prosperity. And that is done, frankly, to manipulate people to give. Today, there are many mega star pastors like Joel Olstein, is probably the most familiar face. They're making millions of dollars flying around in private jets. You know why? Because we like messages about our own prosperity. We buy the line, you can live your best life now. And, and, and so their books fly off the shelf more than books of truth. You know, friends, I, I'm driving a 20-year-old Honda Element. And, and when I'm in it, I'm in my element. <laughs> it's, it's luxurious to me because, you know why? It's paid off. And, and I'm grateful to God for it. Unlike my friend Joel, I, I don't need to have my best life now because you and I are guaranteed the best life forever later by the truth of Jesus' gospel. Prosperity is promised in the gospel. It is. But not in material things like new cars and fancy new homes and and boats and planes and spectacular uh, vacation destinations. And friends, while those things are not evil, you know, they're not evil pursuits, Those things can be a distraction that can keep us from finding true prosperity in Jesus' gospel. In the parable of the sower, Jesus tells us the reason people do not find their best eternal life. It is because of something called the deceitfulness of riches. You know, friends, if God has allowed you to have money, praise him. You can do great things with it to help further his kingdom. Money is a a tool that we can use to bless others with, but it's also a tool that the devil can use to distract us from what is truly best for us. And today I want you to open to Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 9, and let's see what, what Jesus has to say about wealth. He says this, he says, I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Friends, our our money, our our wealth in this world, our our time, and our our talents, they're unrighteous. They they are tainted by the sin of the world in general. And, And because all three are less than perfect, they will someday pass away and death All those things are gone. Time, money, and talents. And Jesus is emphatically telling us to invest in those things wisely in life to achieve eternal things that are permanent, that are going to last. And, And friends, the reason I'm excited to preach today about giving generously is because it's the best investment of your life. Doing it will be the thing that gives you true prosperity. Friends, it's not about our budget. It's about you. If you think I'm biased towards our budget, then please go give somewhere else. I'm serious. Don't don't miss out on what is best for you. Notice the text says, when it fails. It does not say if it fails. Now, honestly, I am terrible in predicting the stock market. You know, Eddie's much better at that. I, I'm terrible. But I'm completely accurate in this prediction. It will fail. Everything you try to hoard up for yourself in life will fail. There are many people who try to make a lot of money by telling you what is the best way to protect your wealth. And friends, none of it's going to work. None of it's going to work to keep you securely prosperous. Now, you might end up with enough to possibly give to your your family later and, and maybe even distract them from true prosperity, 
But ultimately, friends, your hope should not be in unrighteous wealth. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The problem, did you notice that in that verse, is not the treasure itself? The problem is the overinvesting of our heart in it. Jesus is saying we should steward earthly wealth to acquire true treasure. True treasure is eternal prosperity, the kind his gospel promises. In the previous parable, Jesus commends a dishonest guy, a dishonest manager for his shrewdness, which means wisdom of using his wealth as a way to quote, make friends to care for his future needs. And we are, we are to make friends with God and, and with others, with, with our wealth. God cares how we care for people. That, that makes us his friend. Helping others find true prosperity in the gospel it is the way, best way for us to ensure our own selves against total loss for all eternity. You know, Jesus tells us here how God thinks. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in very much. Now, one is everyone. That's, that's what it means. One is everyone. There will not be exceptions. Everyone who is faithful in the use of their time, their money, and their talents is given much more. God is also saying what we have here is very little in comparison to the wealth he is offering. And you may say, yeah, that's right. My, my wealth is little. But, but see, God is saying the same thing to Elon Musk and, and to Bill Gates. Everything we have here is little compared to how much God wants to give us in his gospel. God is saying here, we all have the same opportunity in our little to have much. Bill and Elon have no more opportunity than we do, but they may have more responsibility to use what they have wisely. Your opportunity is the same. Your opportunity is in how responsible you are, give, are, are with what you've been given by God. Remember the old widow that Jesus commands in in Luke 21, she puts only a couple pennies in the, in the collection plate while the rich men put in much more. But Jesus said she put in much more. See, they gave out of their abundance. It was little to them. And, and she gave all that she had to live on. It was a great sacrifice to her. Her faithfulness in little showed how great her love for God was. Friends, we don't attain eternal wealth by how much quantity of unrighteous wealth we were able to supply to God. The way we use unrighteous wealth, no matter what size, is what shows our faithfulness to God. You can make a big investment into your eternity with very little. You know, sometimes people say, well, someday when I'm rich, I'll, I'll give more. And friends, that's bull poopy. It is. If you don't have the character to give when you have little, you will not have the character to give when you have much. Tithing is simply a fair percentage that shows what we value in relationship to what we've been given. Friends, tithing is not a work that will save you. There are unsaved people who give away more than 10%. And, and friends, there are saved people who do not tithe. We are saved by our faith alone, not by the amount we give. But, and this, this is a big but, our, our, our giving shows, shows where we are invested, just like the widow. It, it, 
if you don't invest in eternal treasure, friends, you're, you're in real danger of, of being distracted by earthly treasure. And in that, you, you could miss out on abundant life, the abundant life of prosperity that Jesus has for you right now and quite possibly in the future. See, our, our, our character is formed in little, not in much. If it's all God, God's stuff, and he sees you managing it well in little, he'll give you more. That is what the gospel of true prosperity says. It's, it's, it's not to say that we give unrighteous wealth to get more, like the prosperity teachers teach. The goal is to learn to be faithful in the little stuff of this life, our time, our money, and our talents, so that we may receive true wealth later. And, and why would God give us true wealth, or why would God give to anybody true wealth who was not wise with unrighteous wealth? Jesus says, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. Friends, dishonesty, again, is a, is a heart issue, isn't it? With, with whom are we being dishonest? God and ourselves. You know, we, we can be dishonest with ourselves by believing unrighteous wealth will last. It won't. We can be dishonest with ourselves that unrighteous wealth is ours because we worked hard to earn it. Friends, all wealth is God's. And he gives it to us for his purposes, not our own. And it's dishonest to just use it for ourselves. You may say, well, I'll use it for other people in the future. Well, that's dishonest because we don't know whether we will have a future. Remember what Jesus said to the rich man who stored up all his goods for himself? Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? He says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God, Luke 12, 20 through 21. That verse is saying unrighteous wealth, the unrighteous wealth of your time, uh, your, your money, and your talent is his. It's all his. And, and he can demand it back anytime he wants. And our dishonesty with ourselves is about the, the reality of the situation and, and, and it makes us thieves. We're, we're stealing from God, using resources for ourselves and, and not stewarding his wealth for him. God says this to his people in Malachi chapter 3. He says, For I, the Lord, do not change, therefore, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. The, the good news of the gospel is God is still faithful to be merciful to us in our thievery. He's still merciful. His mercy and love for us do not change whether we're good or bad stewards of his resources. The, the Israelites were bad managers of unrighteous wealth, and he still loved them, and he did not destroy them. Today, friend, if you are, are bad in how you have or are managing wealth, do not lose heart. You have a, a loving and, and forgiving Father who is faithful to always be there to forgive. But he does want you to be honest with yourself that you are doing it. His word says it's common for man to be deceived and to not be generous. From, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and and you have not kept them. See, we've all departed from his design of how to use unrighteous wealth. But there's good news in his gospels that we can still be prospered eternally. He says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Woo! Right? Shoo! If we return to him, he'll return to us, we, we have a chance, folks. We, we have a chance. But you say, how shall we return? Well, that's a great question. That's a great question if our hearts are far. How do we return? Well, first, get honest about the situ situation. And in verse 8, um, 
uh, uh, Malachi 3, he says, will man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. Friends, admit you're robbing him by not being generous with your unrighteous wealth. You may say, I may not be giving, but I'm honest. I'm not robbing anyone. And God says, but you say, how have we robbed you? His answer is, in your tithes and contributions. Now, those are two separate things God mentions, tithes and contributions. A tithe means 10%. God's principle is for us to give him back 10% to show our heart is turned towards him. If you're not giving 10%, friends, you're not tithing. You're robbing God according to his words. And the first step is to get honest with yourself about that. Because a lot of people say that they're tithing when they're not. Rich people who give a lot but don't give 10% are robbing God just as much as poor people who don't give 10%. He considers 10% of what you make with what he gave you his. So if you're not giving it back to him, you're, you're robbing him. You're telling him you trust more in unrighteous wealth than you do in him. You're telling him you respect your money more than you respect his word. Ow, that hurts, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't like thinking of myself as a thief. And frankly, I don't like calling you a thief. But that's the truth of the matter according to the one who owns everything, isn't it? Contributions are not a tithe. They they are something we give above the tithe because we love God. 10% is not a limit. It's just where we start, stop robbing him. It's, it's not a limit. M- many give much more than a tithe because they love God. Be- they have been faithful with the little unrighteous wealth and they've been given more by him and so they give more to him. Look, look what um, God says in verse nine. You are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Friends, could, could we be cursed as a nation of, because most of us rob God? I mean, even in the church, the statistics show that believers only give about 3%. So, so could we be cursed as a nation because we're, we're robbing God? Yes. Our material nation is cursed to be on a treadmill of constantly pursuing unrighteous wealth. And, and we're missing the true blessing of our wealth. Our marriages fail because of lack of money and, and the stress of money. Children are neglected as we pursue unrighteous wealth that only moths will someday eat. And, and we die early of stress-related disease pursuing the almighty dollar instead of pursuing God's best for our lives. And how do we change that, friends? How do we change that? God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And therefore, by put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. What we need to do is change our hearts and cheerfully give God that that 10% and and, and see what he does to, to bless us. See, the storehouse, I believe, is the local church that you serve in. You, you should support all kinds of good gospel ministries like Hands on Africa and New Life for Haiti, but, but those are contributions or offerings above your tithe. Friends, God, if God's church is a blessing to you and your, your family and, and your community, isn't it, isn't, isn't it a blessing to you? Do, you? do you enjoy meals here sometimes free? Do you, do you receive teaching that betters your life? Are, are, are there others that you care about that are, are gaining benefit here? God says, first give to the storehouse you are personally involved in. Friends, at least 10% of what you give here goes out to bless others worldwide. It goes to places like Hands on Africa and New Life for Haiti. And, and, and the other 8%, most of that goes you know, to have a building so, so we have a, a place to gather and, and share the gospel with one another and, and, and with our community. And, and the remaining, remaining part goes to care for paid staff like me and, and Emil and, and Natasha and, and Michelle 
who, who serve you in, in various ways to, to feed you God's word through teaching or, or through music or through digital communication and, and facility maintenance. And then some of, you know, our, our 10% goes to fund ministries run by volunteers that, that care for our children and for our youth. G- giving is a way we obey God's command to love our neighbor as ourselves. In the Old Testament, giving was designed to support the Levite tribe who served in the temple. They, they did not have an inheritance of land like the other tribes to support them. So those that worked the land supported the ones that served God in the temple. And, and so about 40% of what you give here goes to, after the tithe we give and everything, that's about 40% left, goes to support your paid staff. Thank you. Thank you. It, 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 of course, it would be nice to have more done by volunteers, but the truth is we, we need paid staff to steward well everything that God has given us. Notice I said God has given us. If you're a member here, you're an owner. You're an owner. This, this place belongs to you. I'll go away someday and this place will belong to you. God has given it to you to steward for yourself and for others. The property doesn't belong to me alone. It it, it belongs to us. Do you pick up your trash at your home? Why? You own the place and and you invest yourself in it, right? Shouldn't it be the same here if you're an owner? Do, Do you pay for maintenance on your home? I would think so. It's a huge investment. Well, a tithe is part of the maintenance of God's property that he's entrusted to all of us. All of us who share in the blessing of this place share in the the maintenance of it. You know, we were spreading mulch the other day to to care for our investment. Because, you know, a a, a guest, research says, uh, chooses whether they're going to stay at a church within seven minutes of entering the parking lot means that having a nice-looking outside is important, right? I hope the guests saw our the new mulch. We're still working on the front. Give us some grace, okay? You know, but the average age of our workers was 58 the other night. Young people, your, your, your owners here too, and, and the investment here would, would look a lot better with your help. We, we are all a little sore, right? Cleone was the youngest. I'll have to say that. But <laughs> um, some might say, I will help out when I have more time. Will God give you more time if you don't help out now? He who is faithful in little is faithful in much, and he who is Dishonest with little will be dishonest in much. You know, I found that busy people get things done. They were faithful in little, and now God has given them much to be responsible for. Truly busy people are the the most faithful workers. They also happen to be the greatest givers. You know, all the people that were spreading mulch are also the the same people that are givers. (laughs) You know, they give proportionally and and sacrificially and, and, and regularly with both their time and their money. Some, some say uh, they don't have money, so they give their time. And some say they have money, but they have no time to give. Friends, both are unrighteous wealth God has given us to steward for him. Honestly, should he not get the best fruits of both? Doesn't he deserve that? Friends, You did not join a a, a gym when you became a member of this church. You're an owner of this church. But are are you more faithful to your gym? Do you give them a higher offering each month? Do you worship your own body there more than using it to serve God and and serve others? Uh, Jesus asks a great question to get us honest and, and sober to the truth of the situation. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? Hmm. 
if we keep ourselves in life distracted with unrighteous wealth, why, why would we be given true riches? The truth is, we're often not even looking for it. Isn't that how the world operates? A, a dog-eat-dog treadmill of, of just pursuing the bag? That means bag of money. For all of you like me that are uncool, Travis has been helping me know the young people lingo. My, my brother Travis is helping this grandpa learn, right? See, young people are a resource God has given us. You are, are you investing in them? Friends, if we're not faithful in the bag and in the old bags like me and the, the young bags we are given, who will give us true riches? The one who will entrust us with those true riches is our Heavenly Father who forgives all of our debts and, and freely gives us his true riches. And if you're not faithful to him, even robbing him, how can you expect him to give you true riches? The truth is we're all made for true riches. God gave everything on this earth for his children to, joy, to enjoy. But it was not enough. They wanted more. And that greed drove them into sin. Our greed and our lust for more is what, what drives us all into sin. It's the deceitful pursuing of unrighteous riches that keeps us from the true riches. You know why, why prosperity teachers are so effective is they tap into our sinful desire for more unrighteous wealth. And then we end up in spiritual poverty, even in the church, distracted into sin by chasing the unrighteous wealth. And he says in verse 12, and if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? And, and the question here is about faithfulness or, 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 or faith. If we're not faithful or honest with the unrighteous wealth of our time, money, and talent, who, who will give us those things of our own? If your kids squandered all your wealth, would you be inclined to give them more? God knows that this wealth in this life goes away. And he wants to give us something permanent that we can call our own. And, and, and if you're good at managing unrighteous wealth, you know it'll still go away? Like, you, they could be a great steward of unrighteous wealth and it's still gonna go away. Only God can give us lasting treasure and he wants to give us unlimited time or eternal life. He wants to give us unlimited health so that we'll never feel pain again. He wants to give us unlimited peace from stress. And, and no matter how well we manage unrighteous wealth, we will never achieve those things ourselves. Those things are given to us by our Father when we prove to be faithful or have faith in Him. We must return to Him. He says, put me to the test. Nowhere else in Scripture does God ask us to test Him other than in our finances. We're not to test God in our sin. We are to test him in our faithfulness to him. Could, could tithing be a simple pass-fail test? Failure brings a curse. Pass brings a guaranteed blessing. Friends, you can't outgive God. If you give first to him, he will give you much more in return. Not necessarily more money, that's prosperity teaching, but more eternal blessings, unlimited time, unlimited resources, peace in stress, and consistent joy. And these things we can start experiencing now if we learn to be faithful. You know, I would bet this. I'll put $200 on it, because that's what I can afford. But I will put that the true tithers in this room, have seen more true wealth given back to them than, 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 than has been given. I bet none of them view their giving as a curse. Like me, because 
they have seen such dividends in their life from their giving, they would be afraid not to give. That's, that's how I feel. The investment is better than what I'm making. Just learning contentment that you don't need more, friends, is the greatest gift ever. The world is out there running themselves out to get riches. And, and, and we're the richest nation in the world and we're depressed and we're anxious. But, but when you have learned to be content, you have peace, whether it's in good times or in bad times. And friends, that is great gain according to the Apostle Paul. And that's what I've experienced in my life. It's great gain. Friend, what would you pay to have peace in your life right now? I've got it. And I'm giving you the answer right now for free. I'm not selling a book. It's for free. Faithfully be rich towards God. It, it doesn't matter how little you have right now. Remember what Jesus says, with the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Maybe your faith right now is only big enough to give 1% of what he gives you. Give it to him. And, and just be consistent with that before all your bill collectors. Just in faith, give it to him instead of your bill collectors and watch what he does with it. And when he blesses you, take a little bit more and now go to 2% faithfully. And if you're faithful with that little, you won't miss it and he will supply more. And just keep going. You know that there are people that reverse tithe. They are content with what they live on. So they live on 10% of their income and they give the rest to God. They give 90% to God. And they're happy about it. They're happier than the people who constantly feel they need to make more. They're cheerful givers. And Jesus says it's better to give than to receive. What price would you put on your happiness? I, I know a lot of extremely wealthy people in unrighteous wealth that don't have it. And I know a lot of faithful, poor people who do have happiness. Givers are happy because they are like God. And God is the most joyful being in the universe. He is also the most loving being. And, and friends, love is an investment that we make that pays eternal, huge dividends. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Friends, that is true prosperity. What is never dying worth to you? What, what is being healthy forever never dying worth to you? But, but wait, Jesus says it's even better. He promises us mansions in heaven, not slum, according to John 14. Now, you might own a house, and, 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 and you might, you know, want a bigger house. Let's say you put $1,000 a month more in, into that house payment, and that investment, that, that, that probably would pay off pretty well for you in, in your life that, that um, you know, you know, might even double or, or, or triple what you paid for it. But now instead, li live in a smaller home, be content there. And, and put that $1,000 of unrighteous wealth for that same 30 years and, and just give it away faithfully. You might slum, be slumming a little bit for 30 years. But in heaven, you will have a mansion with no payments. And let's say that arrangement only lasted, you only had a lease for 20,000 years. You're only paying $18 a month for that crib. But eternity is not 20,000. Let's, let's say you, you go a couple million years. Maybe you're paying pennies on the dollar for that place. And with eternity, there's just no cost. There's no way to even factor that, right? Friends, you can't outgive God. People kill themselves to acquire gold. And Revelation says his kingdom is so wealthy, gold is only good for asphalt, something to walk on. Again, how do you lose by being a faithful giver? Friends, it's the greatest investment ever. Friends, don't give to support me. I'm supported no matter what happens here. 
I have a rich daddy. Give support to yourself. Give support to those you love for eternity. Giving is like chemotherapy that God uses to kill the cancer of our greed and our covetousness. And those things leave us sick and alone and lonely and dead for all eternity. Verse 13 says, No servant can serve two masters, for they will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and he will despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The real question here is, is not how much money you have or don't have. The, the question is about what you serve. It's, it's about what you're most loyal in your life to. If you say, someday I will serve God when I have time and money. Friends, you really serve time and money. And eventually, he says, this will lead you to hate God. Some of you could hate me right now for pointing all this out to you. If you do, that's okay. But, but be honest with yourself and ask yourself why. What do you serve? See, you can serve God and have money, but you can't serve money and have God because you'll end up despising him if he doesn't give you what you really want. If you serve money, you'll be enslaved more and more to it. If you serve God, he will free you to be content and be faithful a little until he gives you more and you can do more with it for his good. And friends, this is not true just of money. You can't serve God in sex. You can serve God with sex. You can be fruitful and multiply. But today, many worship instead with their legs up in the air instead of their hands raised praising God because they worship feelings and security or, or, or pleasure. Friends, you can't serve God in food. You can't serve God and drugs. You can't serve God and your boss. You can't serve God and your children. You can't serve God and your spouse. But friends, you can serve all those things with God's help. You can't serve them in opposition to God's word because you're serving unrighteous wealth instead of God. Even a good thing, if it becomes our God things, becomes evil or unrighteous wealth if we are serving it before him. Now, some of you are, are, are right now trying to justify one of those things that you serve in your head. You're, you're trying to do that in your mind right now. And, and Jesus' audience did that as well. And he said this in, in, in verse 14, the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed him. They ridiculed him kind of proves what Jesus said, if you think about it. The word ridicule means to turn your nose up at someone or to sneer at them with pride. And, and Jesus is God, and they're hating on God. Why? Because they love money. Money is not the root of all evil. Friends, the love of money is the root of all evil. Friends, what do you love more than God? It's real easy to find out. Look at your calendar and your checkbook. And you will discover your true love there, where you spend most of your time and where you spend most of your money. Ask yourself, are you justifying in your mind today why you, you do not first give generously to God's purposes? Uh, do you want to come up here right now and, and tell me your reasons? Well, don't bother, because I might agree with them. But that won't fix the problem. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourself before men, but God knows your heart. See, it doesn't fix the problem if a man agree with you. God knows your heart. Here's another big but in the Bible. But God knows your heart. How we use unrighteous wealth shows the true condition of our heart towards God. You can justify it and you can make excuses, but God knows your heart. That's why I don't like to preach about giving because I don't want you to feel guilty. Instead, I want you to analyze the condition of your heart and return to God. Friends, don't justify your heart by how much you give either. 
Jesus commended the Pharisees for their giving. Jesus said in Luke eleven forty two, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe on mint and rue and every herb and neglect the justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. In their tithing, these Pharisees really served themselves. They served the praise of men that they got through the religious act of tithing, even tithing from their spice racks. See, many give a lot of money away to impress others and, and, and to bribe God to bless them more than others. Un, unrighteous wealth, friends, is, is, is to be used to make friends by showing mercy to those who God loves, not to exalt yourself. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. There is no doubt that money is, is lifted up in our society. It's exalted. The heroes we have, the athletes, the politicians uh, that we f- follow and that, that we admire. Our culture tells us to be like them, to have bags like they do. We're all tempted to chase the bag. And we, and we often buy things with money we don't have to impress people we don't like enough to share the gospel with. Oh, we would never say, I, I don't have the time. We would never say we don't like them. We would just say we don't have the time. Friends, this is an abomination in the sight of God. The Pharisees and Jesus' disciples in their culture believed because someone was rich, it meant that they were blessed by God. And if they were poor, they, they, they believed them cursed. And, and so they're shocked when a rich young leader came to be one of Jesus' disciples and he said to the man, sell all that you have and give to the poor and then come follow me. And, and that man walked away sad because he knew he served money. And, and disciples, they were shocked and they said, who can be saved? Jesus, your teaching's too hard. You know why? Because his own disciples loved money too. Now, there was another rich man, a, a tax collector, who wanted to know Jesus. And the people in the crowd thought him evil in every way. But Jesus wanted a relationship with him. And, and this same rich, sinful man, he got honest and he said, half my goods I give to the poor. That's a lot more than 10%. Half my goods I give to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody, I'll pay them back fourfold. And the Pharisees, they, they grumbled because they were corrupt and loved money. And this sinful man was someone who taxed them. But, but the sinner, he, he loved God more than he loved money. He served the purposes of God instead of money. And Jesus called him a true son of Abraham, a, a truly faithful man. Many, many Christians say, tithe, it, it's not a law that applies to us now because of God's grace. And, and I agree with you. We're not obligated to a law of tithing. We're obligated to be people who are faithful or who have faith. Tithing was a principle of Abraham way, way before the law was given. In Genesis 14, he he gave an offering of 10% to the king of Salem, the the king of peace. He gave that to God because God had given him success. Giving is God's principle of life when he prosperous us in any way. It's his design for us to share that with him. Our king of peace gave up the true riches of heaven, and became poor for our sake. He lived content 33 years on this earth, always rich towards his father God, even though he had so little. He had nowhere to lay his head. But yet God prospered him. He he gave him abilities to to heal and and to teach and and to care for others. Jesus didn't have much at all. Even the clothes he owned were gambled at the foot of the cross away from him. But he was willing to give everything for our sake. Those that, that loved money and, and served what exalts men put him on a cross to die. And the, the body of a poor man who was rich in faith was, was traded for your sin and your shame. And because he was faithful in little, 
Much was given. Forgiveness for all of our sins and everlasting life for all who are faithful to believe and trust in him first. And then after three days dead in a borrowed tomb, God proved a little faithfulness produces much. Jesus did what nobody else has ever done. He walked out of the grave alive again and alive forever. All the true treasure of heaven was given to him, all power and authority. And he was the one who said, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Today, friends, stop being bankrupt eternally, chasing after and hoarding unrighteous wealth. Return your love to him. Be faithful in using the unrighteous wealth he has given you to make friends with those he loves. Be faithful in that little thing and you will be given much, much more than you can imagine, much more than you can even think and imagine God has in store for you. And that is the true gospel of prosperity. Let us pray. Father, I I thank you and I praise you that your word is true. This true for all of us in every situation. And Father, there are probably some here today that, that need to return to you. They, they need to return to you in what they give. They, they need to return to you in what, what they do with their time. They need to return to you in what they do with their abilities and their talents. Father, that they've been, they've been using them on themselves and they may have just realized that they need to turn and follow you. Father, I pray. You give them a little faith to do that. To trust more in you than in the riches and in popularity. What men think. But right now that they would, in their hearts, turn to you. That they would give you themselves much more than a tithe that they would give all of themselves to you because you have so much more. That little that they give will produce eternal blessings. Father, may they turn from their sin and they turn to you. And Lord, you will forgive their sin and you will give them everlasting life. Father, I, I pray the Holy Spirit right now is bringing conviction to hearts and that hearts are getting honest. And that they'll be like that sinful man who said half my goods I give to the poor and if I've cheated anybody I want to make it right and and so Father I I, I pray that Lord that each of us would would turn to you right now to be made right and do whatever we need to do to make that happen whatever's holding us to this earth let let it go so that we can cling to you thank you Jesus for loving us Thank you for your faith in us. It will avail much. We praise you, Jesus. Amen.